of tdnradio.net you can find us by going online and finding us at tdnradio.net listen live click the listen live button or you can find us in the play store for both android and um, apple ios you can also find us where you listen to your favorite radio station and apps such as my radio hot you have TuneIn and some of these other apps where you listen to your radio station and you can find TDN Radio there, so you can find us there. Uh, in that vein, I want to say good night to the listeners who are tuned in to us in Dominica on RVR Jams. RVR Jams is an online radio station in Dominica, but they also are on DG Play Channel 59. So if, you go, if you're in Dominica and you have... Um, DG Play, you know, your, your television um, service from Digicel, DG Play, go to channel 59 and you will find RVR Jams there. And every Wednesday at 8 p.m., they broadcast um, this week in interview. You can find us there. My regular listeners, welcome back. I always appreciate you making me part of your week. Wednesday night, 8 p.m., you're right there. So appreciative of that commitment. Uh, if you don't like it's the first time that you're listening to this week in interview, welcome and I hope you find us um, sufficiently worth your while so you will come back and maybe we can even convert you to be a regular listener. That's, that's the objective, is to have you come back every Wednesday night. Well, tonight as usual, as expected, we're in the middle of this global pandemic, COVID-19 or the coronavirus is quickly touching every life, every family in this part of the world. There are very few nations that have been spared the brunt of the fury of this virus, coronavirus. And um, Dominica is no exception. I had Dr. Sam on before uh, Dominica had its first positive um, tested patient with coronavirus. And since then, we've gone to... I think 20, I'm uh, not 25, 15, 15 confirmed cases. There have not been any reports of any deaths. And um, uh, in, in a situation where we know we have limited testing, I'm sure we can argue on what factor we're going to multiply the 15 by. The truth is that we expect that it would be higher than 15 because not everybody gets tested and not everybody has symptoms that show up right away. But... 15 is, is, is a blessing. Uh, there, there are some situations where it multiplies much quicker. And so I invited Dr. Um, Sam Christian, Dr. Sam, I call him, uh, back on to give us the lay of the land and to, and to help us to decipher what's going on in Dominica. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play just a quick snippet from the um, CARICOM anthem. And when we come back, Dr. Sam Christian, 
I'm going to have a conversation with him about just the whole general atmosphere in Dominica. How are the people dealing with it? The economic impact. He's a medical doctor, but he's also very in tune. He has his ears to the ground, so to speak, with the community. And so he, I think, is well um, versed and well qualified to talk beyond just his specialization in medicine as, as a doctor. And uh, so let's listen to Mikel do just a little bit. I wouldn't take much because I know there's a lot to, to unpack. Um, once I have Dr. Samoni, it's always so full of information. And so I'm looking forward to that conversation. I'll just take a little bit of Mikel doing the Karakam Anthem. And then when we come back, I'll be joined on the line by Dr. Sam Christian. Let's listen. From many distant lands forefathers came some seeking adventure some bound in chains through battles waged and fought through victory and pain by test of their courage our freedom was The heroes of lands in the sun We vow to join hands and to focus On building one Caribbean Raise your voices high Sing of your Caribbean pride Sing it loud and strong Feel our hearts beat as one All right, listeners, um, thanks for staying with me through the break. And as I told you before, my guest tonight on this week in interview is Dr. Sam Christian. Uh, Dr. Sam is no stranger to, to our This Week in Interview audience, although we pick up new um, listeners every week. Dr. Sam, when he comes, he comes full of information and is and always so generous in sharing it. And he gives his information from... Uh, position of authority, both as a medical doctor, but also as uh, someone who is very engaged and very in tune with the community. And so it's always a pleasure to have um, Dr. Sam have you come back on the program. So I want to say thank you so much for agreeing to come back. And, and I look forward to, to the, what you have to tell us about um, what's going on in Dominica. Well, Anthony, it's, it's great to be, to be back, absolutely. For such a time as this, as it says in, in the scripture, you know, um, I'm no more an expert than most of the people that are listening to me because I tell you what's going on here has everybody's full attention. Uh, this thing is so insidious and ubiquitous. It's all over the place and it's... It's anywhere uh, that, that, you know, we could imagine. And we, we are doing all these preventative efforts, um, and we have no real idea how effective that would be. Many of the people who have been infected, you know, were doing, uh, making a good faith effort at doing uh, some of the right things, and uh, there you have it. But uh, it's, great to, it's great to be talking with you again, Anthony. 
Yes, and, and last time you were here, um, Dominica had not as yet registered officially any um, COVID-19 positive um, cases. And since then, which I think is like two weeks intervening, um, we've had, I think right now we're up to 15, right? Yes. Yeah, so I, what I want you to do is take a few minutes just just to give, because uh, a lot, so many of the listeners of this weekend interview uh, outside of Dominica, although we have a few listeners who listen on um, on DG um, channel fifty nine with um, RVR jams, uh, we we have a lot of listeners outside of Dominica. So so give paint a picture for them of what it looks like on the ground in Dominica. Um, with regards to the the COVID nineteen coronavirus, some of our listeners are old enough to remember Y two K. You remember that? I remember Y two K. When when uh, nineteen ninety nine going into two thousand, and there was this you know great uh, concern and anxiety that computers would fail. And um, that, uh, you know, airplanes would fall out of the sky and the electric grid would go down and, you know, your company's uh, computers would go haywire and so forth. And people had Y2K consultants, you know, charging big bucks to come and look over your computer system. And I remember, you know, kind of tossing this thing up in my mind. I was just kind of skeptical. But at the last moment, I said, let me fill the bathtub. <laughs> that was in Ohio. So I said, let me fill the bathtub, just in case water go. <laughs> and, um, and like most people at the time, I listened with, you know, great interest as New Year's Eve uh, began to roll around from the international date line, New Zealand, Australia, Tokyo, Beijing, you know, and Delhi and the Middle East and Europe and England. And I'm not hearing any, any, everything is going off as usual, you know, no big, um, uh, disruptions or collapse, everything was fairly routine. And I'm saying, what? You know, I mean, we are going to dodge this big bullet. I say that because, Anthony, um, this COVID-19 virus is very much like that, you know, at, on New Year's Eve. If you follow CNN or any of the other big networks and they're reporting, you know, what uh, the celebrations are like and they have the various iconic um, places where the fireworks go off, you know, whether it's the big uh, wheel in, in London or uh, the Adelaide, is it Adelaide? Times Square. Yeah. In, uh, Adelaide. In, in Australia, what's the one? It's Opera House mm-hmm. in, in Sydney or somewhere in Australia and so forth. So, you know, um, we've seen this coming. It's, it's, it's rolling, you know, it's not over a 24-hour period. It's a sort of week-by-week type of thing. And you can actually predict where your country is going to be, um, you know, two weeks from now by what is going on in other countries, what went on in other countries two weeks ago. And so, uh, you know, it was not long before the people in Britain were warning that they needed to take maximum effort. 
precautions because of what was hap already happening in Italy and to a lesser extent Spain. And the British, unfortunately, most unfortunately, were slow in, in, in doing that and they're reaping the whirlwind, you know, unfortunately, at the highest level um, with Prime Minister Boris Johnson and others, you know, top echelon people. And, and so uh, we have been screaming our heads off in Dominica, you know, calling for um, to, to shut down the borders. And it were, we were like voices uh, out there in, in the outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth uh, because nobody was real. Well, let's put it that way. The government in Dominica, Skerrit in particular, the prime minister, was not taking us on because the prime minister is the only one who, who, who makes this decision so who seems to have any kind of opinion. And it has long been that way. I don't mean that as any disrespect to the other members of cabinet, but it is a fact. Um, and I would welcome anyone to uh, argue otherwise. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, we had the city very, you know, very, uh, I'm looking for an adjective, but the situation whereby uh, uh, cruise ships were being turned away from Barbados, Mia Motley, uh, 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 scary hero, uh, being turned away from Barbados and being turned away from St. Lucia and being welcomed in, in Dominica. I mean, the first time I heard of that, I, I put a, a thing out on, on Facebook and said, you know, I am going to go down to the port and I said, this ship shall not dock. And I think it's one of our um, regular uh, contributors from on our WhatsApp group chat who said, you know, gave me a message at five o'clock, said they had decided at a late night cabinet meeting to turn away one of the following ships, you know, because it was just getting to be too much of, a, of an issue. So um, since then, I'm very happy to report that the government has done certain things. The approach, I think, in my opinion, has been rather shambolic. Um, and this is well documented by the people who went through the process, especially with the quarantine and so forth. But, you know, it's, it's been sort of a trial and error. It was not proactive enough. And so they are getting it right. And um, we are very fortunate. Uh, I think in Dominica because uh, some people were estimating uh, a much higher and, and do believe that there is a, a higher number of cases but the testing is, is ramping up. At that time we, at the beginning we only had 90 uh, to 95 test kits and so test kits were very limited. Since then we've gotten a number from China but of course um, we're hearing uh, from Britain and from other countries that you know many of those test kits uh, are faulty, up to maybe 30%, and some of them are returned, and so forth. The Chinese embassy has been uh, rather proactive. I've met with the Chinese ambassador, um, and we've, he, he welcomes our input, and he shares what China is doing, and we've gotten 1,500, uh, the Dominican government, uh, Ministry of Health, 15, 1,500 additional test kits. So they're a little bit more liberal in, in, in testing. In fact, I had a patient in the office today who worked with the Chinese and he had a fever. He 
was sent to the hospital because they no longer wanted him to work. And um, he was actually turned away from the hospital because they felt he did not meet the criteria And uh, as far as his temperature was concerned. So he came to my office and I, I had to deal with him and um, as far as that situation is concerned. So since it's an ongoing case, I don't want to go deeper into it, but you know, we're on the front lines. I myself, I'm on the front lines at a community level. Um, as, as we know, uh, the government has very little use for its own professionals and has dismisses the homegrown professionals in a very cavalier way, despite saying, oh, come on board in a very flippant way, but uh, that does not suffice. What has happened over the years consistently is that the uh, scary administration knows that it can get uh, specialists or medics from from Cuba and China. And to the extent that they can do that, then they treat the local homegrown uh, doctors with absolute contempt and disrespect. Um, but we have we have learned to to work with that and do what we can. We try our utmost. We are helping our people. We always have open arms to helping the government. Um, Going way back when I started in surgery in Ohio, I brought down laparoscopic equipment to the doc, to the hospital, taught Dr. Uh, Paul how to do laparoscopic cholecystectomy, removing gallbladder from the tiny incisions under the right rib cage. And, um, so I, I'm very proud of, of our, the, the, the contributions that I have made that Dr. Pascal has made, Dr. Isla Schlingford, Dr. Um, Dangleben, and many others who are less vocal than ourselves um, and maybe less persistent, but we will continue to strive until we, uh, it comes a time when Dominica begins to appreciate and respect the contributions of our homegrown uh, professionals. Okay, so, so have that being said, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, you know, you there's, there's a lot of what you said that I, I want to kind of unpack um, individually, but it seems like you were about to make a point when you said that being said. Um, so go ahead and, and, and continue. Um, what was that point you were making? Well, like I say, um, the, the emphasis uh, in our... our um, efforts on social media, on Q95, and, and elsewhere on various chat groups and so forth, is to just try to get the word out. Now everybody knows about coughing in your elbow and washing your hands and, you know, this is getting kind of, of re redundant. In a sense, you know, it's, you tend to have a feeling, oh, I've heard that many, so many times, you know, um, what new is there to say? Well, we have something new that is very interesting, and so, that so is... Let's, 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 let's unpack. Start. Yeah, let's, let's unpack before we go into new territory. Um, couple of things, uh, a couple, a few things that you said. You, we spoke about, I, I like the analogy that you gave with, um, Y2K or the turn of the, of the millennium. When we went into 2000, there was a lot of worry because Many of the systems were already running on computer programs, and those computer programs were written with a two-digit year. So, 1999 yep. was 99, 98 was 98, 97, and so on. And so, a lot, it was worried that a lot of those 
programs would not know what to do when it turned into 2000 and it sees a zero, zero as a two-digit number. Does did that mean 1900? In which case, some programs will report an error saying that your, your next date is, is earlier than your, than your start date. Yep. Right. So that was the issue with 9Y2K and up, and, and because so many people got ahead of it and because so much attention was paid to it, we probably will never know if it was something real or if because we paid attention to it, we, we were able to avert um, ah, this disaster. Good point. Right? So, mm-hmm. so I, I, I'm, so I'm taking your analogy a little bit one step further to say if we, there is an impending menace and we had taken the approach of Y2K, and, and, and convene groups of experts, um, because at the time, government in power was a little, maybe a little more, um, open to people who have expertise in the field to come together and form. There was a Y2K committee in Dominica that was the one reporting on stuff on the air. It wasn't the prime minister and so on. Um, if such an approach, a similar approach was taken to COVID-19, maybe the, the community would be a, a little bit more comfortable because they would have felt that though there was this thing approaching us like a hurricane on the Atlantic. Yes. And we, mm-hmm. and, and the government did the right thing. They put a committee in place. They did whatever. And all of the activities and the actions were done in a very open and transparent way. And everybody could see what was going on and ask questions and examine it. And their suggestions would be taken on board. And, and so on, and, and, and their concerns would be responded to by experts, medical experts in the field in this case. And so in the absence of that type of response, we, again, we don't know whether the, the 15 cases we have will have been less. And, 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 you, and, and I hear you talk about the cruise ships that were coming and because of public outcry, that particular cruise ship was turned away. But after that, yes. all, all more cruise ships came. The airport stayed yes. open. The ferry terminal stayed open. It, it, it seemed like, um, and, you, and, and from what you said, is that the prime minister sees himself or functions as the decider. Like George Bush had said some time ago when he was president of the United States, I am the decider. Decider and chief. <laughs> I am yeah. the decider and chief. So, 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 so reverse carry functions as the decider in chief. And, and, and so, um, when you see those decisions or the lack of decision to, 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 to to prevent cruise ships from coming. And I know the airport stayed open for a long time and the ferry terminal exit open for a long time on the, on the excuse or the premise that there were Dominicans overseas who needed to get home. I don't know how many Dominicans were coming home on the cruise ships. Uh, but, but, the, but the, <laughs> that's a good one. You know, but again, you see the, the, the absence of clear basis on which decisions are made. And so in an environment like that, it makes it, it makes the public uncertain. Maybe the Ministry of Health, maybe the Chief Medical Officer, maybe, the, you know, the PS in Health, they, in the background, they, they're working and they're executing a, a good plan. But it's not being done in a place where the public knows what's going on 
and therefore it leaves a lot of room for speculation. It leaves a lot of room for fear-mongering. It, it leaves a lot of room for misinformation, which can only result in, in endangerment. And so what I wanted to ask you was, um, you, you, we talk about testing, and, and it's been well established that one of the key tools in, in fighting off coronavirus is testing. Testing as much as possible so that we know who has it early enough so we can isolate them and we can also treat them and prevent the spread. Um, what, is, what is the process if someone wants to get a test in Dominica? They have to go through where? The hospital? What was the process? Are you familiar? Yes. Um, I just want to go back to um, Y2K for a brief second. And that mm. was the most, the most reassuring thing that I heard at that time was the, the head of the Federal Aviation Authority, FAA, said, at midnight, I will be on a plane mm -hmm. because I don't believe the computer systems are going to fail. Right. Because they're very, they're very, I very, one, very, one of the biggest concerns to fly at that time. Mm -hmm. We were convinced that this was going to happen. Um, and, and so we, we have liked to see our leaders leading from the front. Now, they've come around to doing that and have, um, you know, like wearing the masks in Parliament and so forth. But, you know, that, that has come long after we had the, the first case. And I've been calling for the Minister of Health, you know, go down at the port, go at the airport uh, with your mask and, you know, with a, a thermometer at least so that we can see that see you or, or somebody else with the person testing people as they're coming in. Because they were saying that they were doing that, but they were not doing it in actual fact, or they were doing it in a, in a, in a sketchy... Not in a consistent and organized manner. This, mm -hmm. Yes. So, you know, we needed to see people uh, model the behavior that they wanted. We needed to see the leaders, uh, the ministers... Uh, model the behavior that they want the people to do. And they were, there's a, a tremendous lag weeks after, you know, the first case that this was done. Um, the, in order to, uh, have a test done, you know, it's not like just going to get a, a complete blood cell count or a urinalysis or, you know, even an HIV test or something. It is, it's, it's rather elaborate. You have to call the helpline. Um, and uh, I think 448-2151 um, and the, the hotline and they will ask you questions and then they'll direct you where to go. It's done only at the hospital. So the, the uh, pub, public, the private labs like La Falaise and diagnostic, uh, quality diagnostics at Hallsboro and to a lesser extent at um, Dr. Ferreira's office, um, uh, and don't do those uh, those um, COVID-19 tests. So it's only done at the hospital. And so there are strict criteria uh, that has to be met. met and um, so you... But you, has, you has that criteria been published? Does the public know um, what is the criteria that should... Um, should what condition you should be in to call? Uh, is it that you have a temperature? Yeah. Is it that you have flu-like symptoms? At what point is the, 
is the public informed that they should call the helpline and talk to somebody who can then maybe do a phone um, analysis and decide whether to ask them to come in um, or not? Well, you know, with, with health promotion in any country, um, it, it, it depends. You have to keep hitting the points, hitting the points, and slowly the level of of, of, of uh, knowledge um, builds up and so forth. So it's hard for me to tell no, no, uh, saying, how many people so, so know that. No, All I know but is no, that what I'm saying is that it has been well published. It's been well published on all radio stations, in all media, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, to call this hotline if you have a fever or if you're coughing or, or something like that or not feeling well. And then they would be screened and they would be told where to come to. And, you know, it's uh, the accident and emergency has been triaged in a way that you have the regular accident and emergency cases mm-hmm. and then you have a special section for suspected, um, to assess suspected, uh, suspected, um, uh, virus patients. Okay. And, um, I, I'm not in a position to tell how, how well they've done, how many calls they have, have, and, um, how many people have been referred. It would be good to get that information. And I don't know whether it has been published or not. Um, all I know, the feedback, and I don't want to be negative, but it's a fact that uh, some people that I directed to call the hotline uh, said that they were not very helpful and they were confused and, and so forth. But I, I, I take that as growing pains. That was last week. Uh, hopefully they are better this week uh, at it. Um, so, again, we all understand that it, it depends on the amount of of testing that is done. So because the tests, uh, we've got a population of anywhere around 60,000, we have uh, 1,500 tests. Um, the World Health Organization predicts that, you know, 60 to 80% of, of every population will get that, which would be about maybe 40-something thousand people. So there's a huge uh, discrepancy between the potential um, infected people and the number of tests that are available at present. There's hope for more and we have good relations with the, with the Chinese and I would hope that the Chinese would uh, give us some more tests. But I've already remarked about that, um, the, the whole testing uh, scenario, both in the United Kingdom and the United States. Um, sometimes you're not 100% sure, you know, you have to take things with a grain of salt because there's a lot of uh, anger at China for uh, letting this loose uh, on, on the world. And the, the, the conventional wisdom is that China, if they were more transparent, uh, would have alerted the world that this virus were, was rampant in the, in the country and that um, there's skepticism as a number of infected and a number of deaths. Now, even the social media in China, which is heavily controlled, uh, you know, talks about a lot more cases. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. What we do know is in Dominica we have 15 cases and um, contact tracing is going on. Um, well, I think fairly well. Um, people talk about hearing the ambulances uh, going about a little bit more frequently, and they take people from various locations and bring them to the COVID hospital in Portsmouth. 
So, and my understanding that is that you have upward of 300 people um, uh, who are in, in quarantine. I am not sure exactly whether all those people are in Portsmouth or whether that includes people who are self-isolating at home. In fact, um, but, but Dr. we know Sam, that... Dr. Sam, you said, I think. Um, so... Is the gov- does the government do like daily briefings on on the status? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I, 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 I don't. Do, and at those briefings, no. they don't give those numbers. Yes, they do. And I'm saying is, I I don't know. I haven't heard the briefing for the past couple of days. I haven't okay. Okay. heard it. Okay. Um, firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a number of people. It, it matters not uh, the, the exact number. There are a number of people who are in, in, in quarantine. The point I want to make is that it, it was not, um, it, it should have been done proactively and we had a lot of time preparing as I described. We could see this coming and it was not ready when that came. And so the people who were told to self-isolate we're going about and the, the index patient in, in Delhi says did just that um, and we have a number of churches not only in Dominica but in, in around the world uh, yesterday uh, there was a church in, in um, a Slavic mega church in California that where one where one person infected 70 people 70 right. people right. in that there were the kids mega in church in California Korea. Where they where it is assume that one lady infected twelve hundred people, something like that. Yeah, in Daegu. Yeah, uh, and that was a, a church setting. Yeah. We saw in Antigua, you know, the police breaking up a, a worship service, mm-hmm. and some people, uh, you know, with a religious standpoint, and we'll talk about that, I guess, a little bit later. But you know, religious freedom and the whole mark of the beast, fear of the mark of the beast and vaccination uh, type of thing um, exists in, in, in a small minority of churches. I think the vast majority of churches in Dominica have done an excellent job in educating their parishioners, their congregation about the dangers of the virus. They've had doctors on the pulpit uh, demonstrating uh, hand washing and, and wearing of masks and so forth. And uh, Dominican churches, pastors, priests, uh, the bishop have been, I think, right on, on time for the most part in, in, in uh, you know, for instance, the, the sign of peace and the welcome sign and hugging and all that stuff. That was stopped. Uh, for weeks now mm-hmm. and um, in Dominica I don't know about in New York but we went in a, in a matter of, of two or three weeks we went from handshakes to fist bumps to elbow knocks to foot tap <laughs> and then and then no nobody touches anybody, nobody touches anybody. Uh, pretty much in fact I, I saw I saw a patient I saw uh, I, I went to visit the home of a deceased and the mother was very appreciative of my coming in to bring condolences and she was she was just moved and she said I know you're not supposed to hug but and she just grabbed me with a, sh- a face on my shoulder and was was sobbing you know and uh, you know it, it was okay I felt safe <laughs> but it is to that extent that this uh, 79 year old lady um, 
had a full understanding. A 79, mostly homebound lady, she understood what social distancing was, uh, just that she made an exception right at that moment. So I, I think we're in a we're in a good place, but we have to continue to press the the administration to to keep up with to best practices. And so, our main so concern. There haven't been Go any ahead. deaths. There haven't been any deaths attributed to to the virus so far, right? That is the good news. That is really good news in Dominica. Now I don't know whether you remember your first kiss. I remember kissing a girl when I was in the National Youth Council at Fortune Hotel. I'm taking, I'm digressing a little bit <laughs> as a point of privilege, yeah? And I was representing the National Youth Council and there were trade unionists and other big people organizations around and there was a lady who was looking at me from across the table <laughs> and she had those big eyes and, you know, she was just staring at me and after the meeting, you know, uh, her, her eyes pulled me towards her and she was much older than I and uh, we began to chat and we were walking down towards People's Park and um, you know she she put the moves on me because uh, I was just a little boy you know <laughs> green behind the ears and she kissed me and it was a full frontal kiss and um, but instantly I taste, tasted tobacco and you know it was a horrific feeling it was quite a shock and um to make a long story short, you know, uh, she went her way, I went my way. I kind of disengaged real quick. And as soon as I turned the corner, I started to speed up. That's my first kiss. I remember that. Well, why am I saying that? Well, you know, this virus, <laughs> uh, this, virus this virus situation, once we had the first kiss, you know, it was, it was like somebody having the first kiss or to be even more, um, graphic, if you may, uh, you know, somebody not no longer being a virgin okay one shot and you're done you're no longer a virgin you're you're a new stage completely i hope the children are in bed at this point in time so having said that though i i think there's an, another stage such as in a woman's life you know then there's another stage when you get pregnant and then you're really a woman at that time in a sense um you know, regardless of what age you are, whether you're, you're 15 or 16 or whether you're 26 or 36, but once you, you've had a child, then you, you are, you're on a different level. You're on a different mission. So we've had the first case that, that innocence is gone. And we, we were, we were looking forward to it. We felt that once we had that first case, Dominicans now are going to be serious. And we saw a, a, a different level of seriousness. Okay, but what what's happening over the past two weeks, my opinion, is that people are getting a little bit casual about it. And when, if and when, and chances are we will have uh, a death, you know, and anybody, that could be anybody. Mm -hmm. And that's the interesting thing about this thing in this virus, um, you know, that it... it uh, it's, it has a predilection, it almost seems like it has a predilection for... Um, for, for, for richer people, uh, people who are more established, a lot of doctors have died. Well, in Italy, that's because they were working on the front lines. Um, but in England, you know, up to including the prime minister, um, you, you've had a lot of, you know, Tom Hanks and what's this other guy, Idris. Uh, but, 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 but don't you think that, that those cases 
register more in our, in our consciousness just because of who they are. Not necessarily that they, they, they are more um, prone to be infected and maybe they circle more and they travel more and that kind of thing. Well, that, I, I, I just read before coming on, on board here that um, the, the fact that welfare nations um, and welfare socioeconomic groupings seem to um, have a higher mortality is counterintuitive. Now, I yeah, didn't have Dr. time Sam, that is to not true. read everything. Dr. Sam, huh? there, there, there's a whole body. Listen, um, the... You know, in Italy, right? I was reading. I was reading a report that in Italy, seventy-five percent of the people who died in Italy had hypertension. Seventy-five percent. Um, thirty-five percent okay. of them had diabetes, and thirty-three percent of them had cardiovascular. And the reason why the reason why I'm saying that is because you are a doctor in Dominica, and you know how many people in Dominica are walking around with diabetes and hypertension and cardiovascular issues. And so... Yes, indeed. Absolutely. And and that's the... When I read that statistics from Italy, I mean, I I sat there for a little while before I could could recover from that statistics because it's just a dreadful statistics if, if we don't continue to do what we need to do in Dominica to keep this thing at bay. Because if it gets away, it will find like a fire finding dry straw. It will it will run away like a wildfire. Um, today I was listening to the news and um, in um, in 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 Louisiana in, in, yes. in New Orleans, Louisiana Yep. 15%, 15% of the population is black. 75% yep. of those that, are, that, have caught, that have caught the disease, 75% of them is African-American. Um, in Chicago, you have Detroit, you have, you have similar statistics. So, so I, 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 you know, some of this stuff is just that in certain situations, we do, we don't have the immediate exposure, and so yep. the impact I agree not, with you, is, is not as broadcast as much. So our people, we need to be much more vigilant than these folks who have access to the best healthcare and and the yes. power to demand without question, without question. You know? Yeah. So so I, I just wanted to interject that there because um, I I I know good news is 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 in short supply. But um, we really want, the, you know, our folks to to take this seriously, you know. Yeah, um, very, 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 very good point. Um, and we have to continue to to push that. What I've been doing in in recent days, um, and you know, I was telling you about visiting this, uh, this lady, uh-huh. elderly lady whose son had died, and they, you know, he 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 basically. He was walking about doing just fine without any complaints and apparently had a massive stroke and, you know, passed away, uh, during, you know, within, within, within hours. Wow. Um, 
And, uh, you know, because the blood pressure was reported to be 200 and something over 100 and something. So what I've been doing and, and with, with my patients more so now than before is to, you know, teaching them what blood pressure is. So I would say something like this, you know, what is the exchange rate for the Eastern Caribbean dollar for the U.S. dollar? Okay. Most people, well, I haven't met anybody who cannot tell me what, how much is a U.S. dollar. Okay. And that is $2 and 60 cents. So if you're, um, selling or, or whatever, $2 and 70 cents in that range. Okay. So people know that. So we, 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 uh, if people know their, um, date of birth, people know their telephone number. Never do you have to ask somebody who's halfway literate you know, and they, they have to think twice about what's the date of birth. And we don't use social security number in Dominica the way that we do in the U.S., right. but, you know, people can see what their, their, their search is, you know, without, you, you'd wake somebody up in the middle of the night, they'll tell you what their social security number, go back to sleep, and then in the morning they ask you, did you, did you wake me up last night? You know, because it's, it's getting brain. So we have to know what normal blood pressure is. Oh, and normal blood pressure is 120 over 60. Your wife is a nurse, you know that very well. And what is high blood pressure? People need to know that. And they need to know that anything above 140 over 90 is high. So there's a chart, and if you Google that, blood pressure chart. If you Google that on your phone, listeners, blood pressure chart, and look at the images, it, you'll see a chart there with the colors, um, green is normal, is good, and amber is caution, and red is 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 bad. Uh, you know, associated with those numbers. So each of us that are intelligent enough to be listening to a show like this, there are other people who are you know doing other things that may not necessarily save their life, but. If somebody uh, has this information, they may not only save their life, but the life of a loved one mm -hmm. who has no idea. And I think we all need to be checking our blood pressure, you know, at least two, three times a year, at least. For people who are young, strong, healthy, you know, when we say young, we're talking about, you know, in their 30s and 40s. Um, because with this virus, we, we have people who are, who are dying who are younger than you, that is listening, right. who are stronger than you, mm -hmm. who are richer than you, and who are more powerful than you, uh, that are dying. Because we, we always thought, we thought at the beginning, oh, it's just the elderly. And by that, we meant people 70s, 70s and 80s. 80s right? mm -hmm. uh, but now we're hearing of, of, of younger people 20 years on, on the ventilator. Yeah. And this is, this is really, really scary. But the, the, there are two things. The most important associated fact is that blood pressure goes up in times of stress and in times of anxiety. And I'm a perfect example of that. After I, I used to tell people, you know, I've, I, I have never been to the hospital. I've never had an operation. I'm not on any medication. That was before Maria. After Maria, with all the stress, I noticed that my blood pressure was, you know, hanging up around there, um, elevated, you know, but I didn't think much of it because I still had this, uh, a bit of that invincibility complex, um, you know, that I, I was okay. But after my accident, after my accident, the blood pressure, went up and it, it basically has, has stayed up. Mm -hmm. It's not 
very high, but I have to be on, on, on medication and I have to be, I feel okay. And that's a problem with, with uh, blood pressure. People don't feel bad at all. Uh, but with what's going on now, every single one of us is under stress. Now, I stopped and, buy the, uh, and bought a couple of jelly coconuts and I asked the, the fella across the bridge here by Raffle, you know, how's business? And he said, boy, you know, that's dread, you know, uh, and stuff like that. So I said to him, well, at least you, 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 you're working. He says, I'm working, but the people who need to buy the nuts are not working, working right? you know, yeah, and, and so things are, are really bad now. What, what, I, I, I don't have much of an answer to that except, you know, you know, hold strong, we'll get through this and so forth. But the real serious part of it is what is our government doing to, to keep people afloat, you know, during this time? Is instead of just saying, well, you know, if you go to pay your electric bill and you see a lot of people, just go, you know, and come back another time. I saw that. that. that I saw that, um, clipping that in the house. And while, you know, some of the other governments are putting a moratorium on disconnections, I heard the Prime Minister of Dominica tell Dominicans, it's better that they, that they cut your light, that Dominic disconnects your service, than you lose your life standing in line trying to pay your bill. And I'm, you, see, you see how we come? <laughs> yeah, and I'm saying, <laughs> how, how, about, how about telling Dominic, that, you know, extend your disconnection policy so that people who, people can come in slower to pay their bills yeah. so that we, we don't want them crowding up. So maybe only a hundred people can pay their bill in one day. So with, with X number of customers, uh, it might take 15 days or 20 days before you collect all their stuff so, or something, or just put a three month moratorium on disconnection. Some way you want to deal with it. Instead of saying, if you go pay your bill and the line is long, don't drain the line. It's better they cut your light than they cut your life. I mean, you, but, but, but that, talking about the government, that brings us into the, um, the state of emergency. Is it a state of emergency or just a curfew? Are they one and the same? What's going on? I am not that legal, <laughs> not a legal expert, <laughs> but you're, you're, you're right. They're, Related. There's certainly a curfew, a curfew, and it's under certain emergency powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what are the times for the curfew? Well, uh, the, the curfew is basically from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., but most businesses close at 2. So between 2 and, and 6 in the afternoon, you know, the, at least Roso, I am not anywhere else, um, is, is like a ghost town. It's like a ghost town. Um, so the I made the mistake. Six o'clock, but businesses are required to shut at two. Uh, I am not sure whether that's a requirement, and somebody can correct me. Um, but most of them do. I mean, let's take Jolly's for example, which is a, a major, you know, player that stays open and has long lines and is is busy, busy, busy. You know, they close at two. Normally, close, Jolly's would close at five thirty. Bullseye would close at uh, 11. I can imagine uh, that they need to close early so the workers have time to get home before the curfew, but four exactly, before? Exactly. Wow. Mm. That's curious. So, you know, we, uh, the, 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 first, <laughs> the first day of the curfew, I needed to take a bus, and um, I, was, I was just totally stranded. 
um, you know, and, and Nicholas George, my dear friend from Colliho, uh, was kind enough to give me a ride. Um, but the, the place is just totally uh, fed down, you know, there, there's nobody in the streets. So I think, you know, uh, people, this is what we've been calling for. I think this is what is necessary. We need to have a lockdown. We need to enforce this social distancing. I think it, it's, um, the, the price, it's, it's hard to see what you're getting for that price that you're paying. But we know that it has been effective and I think it has lowered the, the number of, of cases. Uh, Dominic has been stuck in that area for the past almost two weeks, um, coming on two which, weeks. Which is great and so news, that is very which is great, great news, because you know um, when, when play, a lot of places around the world got their first case, it took them, I mean, the rate at which they were doubling their cases um, was increasing, and it looked like, it looks like uh, Dominica has been spared that, in the sense that we had one case in a week, it turned to seven, and the next week it turned to 15, but it has been stuck at 15 for a little while. And so that, that rate of doubling the cases every few days, we seem to be spared of that. Um, at least, because we don't see people dropping down and die, dying, or people really sick to say, well, it's because they're not being tested. I feel like we, we probably, uh, um, are being spared the worst that could possibly happen. Yes. I will give thanks and praise, but uh, we also know that it can explode at any time. And for people who don't like mathematics, which is most, most people, you know, you understand what an exponential curve is like. You know, that starts up slow and suddenly just takes off and it's almost going like a, a rocket from Cape Canaveral, um, you know, almost straight up. And so uh, cases in England, for example, doubling every three days. Um, the good news, of course, as you know, both in New York and in the United Kingdom is that, you know, they're seeing signs that um, the, the peak might be around the corner and the number of the increases are leveling off. So, um, you know, we, 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 take, we take great um, pride in this because in Dominica we know uh, that we being economically strapped, we believe that the government has not been able to come up with a stimulus package because the government is broke. Nobody's buying passports at this time. Just six months ago, around the election time, you, you know, it was just, you know, passports, 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 that's the way we need to go. And uh, no, <laughs> I don't know how many passports have been sold, you know, in, in recent weeks, but the government has, um, you know, it's just, it's just really, uh, um, you know, shadow boxing or whatever you might say, you know, just trying to, to buy time, uh, instead of being able to like St. Kate's, like St. Lucia, to do something concrete for their people. So they, they engage in a, a number of, um, uh, distractions and, you know, hostile attacks and trying to undermine the freedom of the press and threatening to close, the, close down Q95 and so forth, so that people, I think, when they get on top of this, they will forget about the fact that, well, they're out of a job and they're not buying, uh, unable to pay their bills and unable to feed their families. So, but those, we have to keep their feet to the fire. And the fact of the matter is that we have a bureaucracy, we have 
technocrats, we are getting guidance from, you know, the Pan American Health Organization, from the World Health Organization. And so the, the, the guidelines and instructions that are getting, they're not original decisions made by the Ministry of Health. These are, you know, best practices that are being passed on to us uh, by the international agencies. Mm -hmm. It is the things that the government is supposed to do and to be proactive about, like closing the borders and like organizing a proper quarantine and isolation and stuff. We were saying before, you know, two weeks before we had the first case, I said, what happens if we have a case in St. Joseph, for example? Okay, what do we do? Uh, do we do we shut down the village? Do we supply the shops? Um, uh, and we do we have a system whereby we're going to let, uh, as in China, uh, one member of the family come out once a week or twice a week, you know, to get groceries. Uh, you know, they, they, to the best of my knowledge, that was you know this was was never done. None of those Boom. plans were put in place, right? Yeah, yeah it happened in 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 dailies, in dailies of all places. And, you know, we were like chickens with our heads cut off, you know, Dominica. There was just chaos and there was panic and nobody knew what was going on. And thank God for people like um, Jason Fountain and uh, Francisca Joseph, uh, who, you know, the grassroots leaders, the people were there organizing and, and giving, you know, some sort of guidance to the people. But there was a, a, a complete vacuum of, you know, people being taken away and uh, to, to Portsmouth, they're hearing that they don't have, you know, food. They're trying to organize for family in Portsmouth to bring them food. Uh, people bring the food, but make the food, but they're afraid to bring it to the people because they may be infected. And the government having caterers, the caterers make the food, but people are afraid to bring, deliver the food. And, you know, all that, that should have been worked out before. You know, it's not something that dropped out of the sky. And, and people went through a few days of, of, of unnecessary conf confusion and anxiety and, and starvation and, and hunger, you know, especially why, people why who are worried, worried and worried about, um, about being tested. You know, at the point is that leadership matters and, and, and by extension, oh, by extension, election matters you know um, we see like like you like when you started when we started the show you spoke about what's happening in the uk you know people electing boris johnson based on some ideology about brexit or whatever and then uh, a catastrophe like that happened and you have the wrong person at the wheel um the united states people electing donald trump for whatever reason and then this happens and see what's happening in the United States. I, I, I live in New York, and New York is like wildfire every day. You know, a few hundred people die, a few thousand people get infected every day. Uh, uh, luckily, because of the way the U.S. is organized, you have governors who have a certain amount of power, and they're a little more sensible. So it, it's not as as bad as it could be. Um, based yeah, on the I mean, about the, you know, burying people in Central Park and in trenches and yeah. and that type of thing. That is sort of apocalyptic, man. You know, this is like end times type of thing. And so, and so, there's a few, there are a few positive that we maybe will, if if we if we if we educate the public a little bit, that might come out of this. One of them is 
is to really make sure that when someone comes to you and asks you for your vote to be your leader or to be a representative, you don't look at what that person will do when times are good and Christmas time and Easter time and everybody's drinking and having a good time. You look at that person and say, what if we get a hurricane? What if we get an earthquake? What if we get a pandemic? How is that person going to perform? What is that person, uh, has that personality that will allow the experts to deal with it so they, for the good of the country? Does that person have a personality where, you know, like Donald Trump, he wants to be front and center, you know, he's not a doctor you know, or anything to do with any sociology or any field remotely related with what's going on, but because he's president, he has to be front and center in everything. We have to make sure that that is not who we are electing for leadership. And the second thing that I think that could be a silver lining is because of the threat it poses to us who have loved ones and who are diabetic and hypertensive and all of that, it hopefully it makes us take a pause to look at at what we're eating and our habits and maybe being a little more proactive about our health. Um, so those those two things I hope um, would come out because if you suffer, you should suffer with something to show at the end, right? And, and mm -hmm. so I don't know what you think about about those those ideas. You might have all the positives that you think that could come out of this, you know, drastic situation. But those, those are my two, two of those that I hope. And maybe a third one would be that people will pay attention to reviving agriculture and not have an economy that is so fragile depending on the sale of passports as the revenue earner of the country because any number of things out of your control can just kill your, your revenue. That, yeah, that's brilliant, and I, I, you articulated that very, that very well. Um, you know, in Dominica, it's particularly distressing because we know that there has been uh, funds that cannot be accounted for, and those funds were used to buy the election, and um, we, we had planes lined up at the, the airport like never before, unimaginable, and. Uh, uh, and uh, now, you know, no, no, no planes are flying. Uh, it's a very stunning development in the entire world. The skies are empty. The, the skies are blue. The rivers are That's clearing up. Clear, and, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. The uh, environment is, is is getting a break. But the country, the world is going to be a different place. I, I think uh, coming we'll, coming back to the positives. But you know, for example. Uh, teachers and professors at educational institutions, you know, there already were educational institutions that were completely online, mm -hmm. and now everybody's online. Um, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating to hear the high school teachers here, and even the primary school teachers, you know, sending their work online and the people doing their work and so forth. So what happens when we, we get back to normal? Uh, those educational institutions going to say, well, let's see what we'll continue to teach online. And, you know, probably we don't need all these teachers or these professors anymore because we can have one person do do this instead of six. And, um, you know, they, it's got to be graded by computer anyway and, and so forth and so forth. So they're, they're going to be 
um, interesting changes. They're going to be, I think, um, chronic on unemployment, and they, as a result of that, where companies uh, find that they can get along with less workers. And, um, you know, even as the economy begins to build up again, there are certain adjustments that need to be made. And what we have to try to tell, to impress our people is that a lot of foundations are going to be shaken. And this is a great opportunity for us. Uh, we have to prepare ourselves, even in the short time that we have, you know, to take advantage in whatever way in your field of endeavor, uh, you know, so that you are not at the bottom of the totem pole again. Here's an opportunity. You have an opportunity because you have not had all these losses like the big guys on top uh, who have may have suffered more. You, you have an opportunity to, to you know, to uh, find your way at a higher level. And I think, you know, that's a chance for that. But you, you mentioned about agriculture. I mean, you have to be brinded not to 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 um, realize that you have I understand I didn't hear him with my own ears but um, you know it was from credible sources the director of agriculture saying or chief agricultural officer saying that you know agriculture is not the thing to bring money it's passports uh, and your job is to be in charge of agriculture and uh, so you know this is the situation that is obviously going to have to change and the, the patriots have to continue to push um, I believe that this is going to be an opportunity for justice to prevail I think grips of wrath are coming and um, we have to understand that I believe being a, a person uh, who I think I'd like to believe I have a sense of the times and understand that God is doing a new thing and for those of us who survive that we have to be prepared to to, to take uh, advantage of of that situation and get the things done that need needed to be done in the first place. I think this is going to overcome the the lethargy, uh, lackadaisical attitude of our people, because when once people begin to to die and once people begin to starve, people are going to have to be dealing with shortages, uh, job losses, and uh, you know lack of business. Think of all the bus drivers, all the bar owners, the entertainers who are basically sidelined, you know, nothing, 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 not on the weekend, not at night, you know, uh, people's legal licenses have basically vaporized mm -hmm. at the twinkling of an eye. And we see people sneaking and selling drinks at the side, you know, hiding away from police, but, you know, nobody's making anywhere close to the kind of money and how, how are those people going to feed their families and, their and how they're going to pay them all of that, right? and pay their mortgages. So it's a domino effect and it's going to be a very serious uh, situation. And uh, as Paro said, a hungry man is an angry man. Yeah. And hopefully our people will be able to direct that anger and their frustration at the sources that were responsible for the situation. And, you know, we might be able to see the change that has uh, eluded us over the past several years that uh, Dominicans will wise up and do what they have to do to take control of their destiny. No, that that would be that would be something that you know. I don't I don't know if anything is worth the devastation that this situation is causing. However, 
however, you, you don't get change without going through some kind of um, transition, you know, transformation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, uh, you don't get to a butterfly without the larvae going through some what appears to be some excruciating transformation to get to that to that other side. And and you're right, the the, the spread of COVID nineteen. If it, I hope it doesn't get worse. Um, but even if the, even if it doesn't get worse, as you say, people are already feeling the pinch because their businesses are shut down, and they cannot, they they, they cannot go to work, and they cannot execute their plans the way they want to execute their plans. So, so people are already suffering from the virus, and hopefully, they will look at that and and, and say that we need to we need to have more than just straw straw men leading the country. We need to have people with vision. We need to have people who um, are genuine leading the country so that there's a little bit of meat on the bones of the country so that, you know, if if you're a partner at Meg like me and you get sick, you have nothing, you, you look like skin and bones at the end of the sickness. But if you're a guy that, you know, have a little bit of muscle on you, you can take a couple of hits and still not, not not totally you know fall from it, so we would want to see the country get into a situation where it's more robust. I mean, Doctor Sam, we don't want to to speak that energy into the air, but can you imagine if after this economic hit that Dominica is getting, we go into the hurricane season and we get a couple storms? You know, hmm. what will happen? <laughs> what will happen to our people? You know, when is it that our people are suffered enough? Why is it that we've, we've had hundreds of millions of dollars from passports and there's not a sovereign fund that was created that would help to buffer or cushion times like this when the revenue from the country drops? There are examples of it in the world, Norway and so on. Um, who used, the people used to suffer every time there was a down cycle in, in the petroleum industry. And they said, you know what? In times when it's high, instead of spending all the money, we're going to create a sovereign fund. And that, yes, evened, yes. that evened out the, the impact. Uh, we, we need those yes. kind of visionary leaders. And, and as you said, I hope that the, the suffering and the challenges that people are facing now will get them to think and say, this cannot be all there is, um, and look for alternatives. And the, the thing about it is, uh, you're so right on point, is the rapidity, the, how quickly that is happening. I mean, way back as a child and reading the Bible in the book of Exodus and Genesis and all that, um, with, with Joseph uh, ending up by serendipity um, in, the, in Pharaoh's court mm-hmm. and he's in charge of the economy. And he gets the, the dream about the lean cows and the fat cows and the fat cows were those, those good days. And he directed them to save, to store up food for the lean years. Exactly. And so, so when the famine came, yeah. yeah, they did okay. And they just thought that this guy is a genius, you know, and, and, and so forth. So there's precedent for that. But um, to take, for example, we've been trying to get the bus drivers to organize um, and trying to get people to 
to focus on that's what's going to be the transportation system with this whole social distancing requirements. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nothing was done. Okay. So now we have to social distance. You come out with the regulation saying one person per row, but you make no, no, um, provision for the bus drivers who are, whose income is going to drop by two thirds. Because you usually have 16 people in a bus and now you're going to have five. Right. You know, or four. And, um, so what, what, what do you do? And we should have had a national discussion. The, the, the bus drivers, you know, should have the opportunity. Okay. We'll have to take a hit, but you know, maybe people have to pay a little more. Is it still illegal to charge the prices set by the government? Or does the government come in and subsidize the buses to an extent? So let's suppose it's $2.50 from Point Michel. Okay, so if we decide to, we have to pay three fifty, we, we we could do that because people from further villages are, are paying, you know, more than that. Right. Okay? So in that way then um, people have the opportunity to um, to go to work and have the buses available and the government pitches in something. But because the government is broke and is unable to admit that and because they are unable to, to move money the way they should because of the, the, um, the requirements that have been placed, you know, by uh, the feds, um, then you, you have a situation where the government is, is just talking a lot of bluster, but not doing the things that need to be done in order to provide for the needs of the transportation department. And I maintain that, you know, it is necessary to do that. We've said, we've recommended that from the very beginning. There's a great lag before it was implemented, but that the transportation system was the biggest um, risk factor you know, for, for spread of the virus, just as we've seen in, in, in London with the, with the subway, um, you know, yeah, yeah, the the mayor of England has had a great difficulty in trying to uh, control that because people keep on traveling as, so in New York, I don't know what, what's the situation with the subway and with the social distancing in the subway. In New York, it's interesting, uh, because initially, when uh, it, it was decided that only essential workers would go to work, you, you would ride in a, in a train car with maybe two or three or four people in the entire car, so social distancing was, was very easy. But in their own wisdom, the, the authority that manages the trains and the buses, because of the reduced ridership, they cut the number of trains. And so... And so the crowding on the train picked back up. So you don't have social distancing that you would normally, that you should, that you saw in the first uh, week or so. So, so you have governments struggling with that all along, as you said, because of reduced, um, revenue for, for the bus drivers, because of reduced revenues for the agencies and, and because the governments did not take it as seriously as they should take it. Everybody waited until they got their first case to react. Instead of putting, being proactive and getting in front of it and putting things in place, they, when, they, when they tried to put um, systems in place, they, the, the, the unseen consequences hit them by surprise and then they reacted in ways that may have 
exacerbated the situation, and then they have to react again and adjust. And so that, that what you see playing out in Dominica is playing out in some of the other places because just like in Dominica, the United States waited until they had their first case. Up to the time they had their first few cases, you had the president saying, oh, there are 15 cases, soon it will be zero. And, and so that lack of preparation, um, none of the governments seem to be learning from the experience of the previous ones. Everybody wants to find out for their own selves how to chat the waters. And so I listen to you talk, and, and, and some of those same things we see playing out in the metropolitan areas and about on a larger. But the thing about it is that they have the resources to now do a stimulus package to, to try to mitigate the impact on the citizens. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a major difference. That's a major difference. But you're right. There are some countries that are going to uh, that are coming out like roses. Certainly, Taiwan, uh, Singapore, um, to some extent, Israel. I'm not sure exactly what they're doing, um, but uh, you know, places like Italy and Spain, and the United Kingdom and the United States. And your doctor, uh, we, as well, that was with you the last time. Without cutting you, spoke about Nigeria, and Nigeria mm -hmm. having learned from the Ebola experience. Um, seem to have been putting things in place to 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 handle um, and prevent it from becoming an epidemic. So we have those examples as well. Very good, very good. And I, I think I want to take a, a moment to talk about um, uh, the conspiracy theories that uh, you know have just really taken off. And I mean, people have freedom of speech and certainly must be allowed to express themselves. But when people get that wild eye look and feel that, you know, this is the end of days, um, you know, rather than concentrating on the things that we need to do to prepare for when we emerge out of that. If we think it's the end of days, then we're just going to hunker down and, 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 and pray only, which, you know, you should, we should always, men, <laughs> we ought to always pray, I think, but um, we also have to look at the, at the facts. And so the, the, I just read before coming on the show that the BCG vaccine, which is anti-tubercular vaccination, um, appears to be uh, offering a level of protection. And in places where that has been um, used uh, uh, extensively, the, the mortality rate is, is up to six times uh, less. Now, you and I were talking about uh, having to deal with, with school or college or whatever um, when I'm going to work in a new hospital in the United States and my PPD, my my man two or the uh, tuberculin skin test um, was positive. Then we have to go through the whole thing of chest X-ray and, and sputum test and so forth because we had uh, this BCG um, vaccination as children. Right. In the United States, I, I, I couldn't figure out for the life of me why some people were not vaccinated because it was not really, you know, option. everybody was vaccinated where we come from. Right. I, I don't know what the percentage is, but probably closer to 99%. Right, a lot of us got that vaccine, yes. 
And so if I, 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 it, that, that initial um, study has not yet been peer-reviewed, meaning that other scientists have not looked at it and analyzed it and critiqued it and so forth. So it's something that we look to and maybe be a, a source of protection. But some of the other um, uh, misconceptions that because uh, of our pigment that was going to be uh, protection uh, that black people are not going to get the virus. That's well, that's gone. Falls, right? That has been flushed away. And because of the heat that, um, you know, we in the Caribbean, in the islands, it's not going to affect us that much. Well, that has been flushed down the, the tube as well. So, um, but the whole idea of vaccination, if we can get a vaccine in place um, that can prevent people from getting sick, then that's what we have to do. But you hear a lot of people talking about two things. One, Bill Gates. Bill Gates is the biggest demon there is as far as certain uh, church people are concerned. I mean, not every uh, denomination, but some, especially fringe, what we call fringe denominations, uh, are getting very, very hostile as to, you know, the good work I think that he is, the, the Bill Gates Foundation is, is doing. And if you listen to one of the best interviews I think I've heard in this entire virus thing is listening to Trevor Noah interview Bill Gates here. You, did you listen to that interview? No, I haven't. I haven't. I've seen some it's, it's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I haven't done a, an analysis of it, but there, there seem to be recordings of him expounding, expounding on his views of overpopulation. And so there is an overplay, mm -hmm. seem to be an overplay on that to suggest that the philanthropic work mm -hmm. that he is doing um, is, it, it comes with a nefarious agenda. Um, uh, but, but, you know, there's, there are a number of people who think that the world is overpopulated. It does not mean that they necessarily want to do anything evil about it. Um, it, it people, scientists study and say, if the population of the world continue to increase at the rate is increasing, we'll have trouble feeding people. And, and it seems like Bill Gates is part of that school of thought. And so the, the conspiracy theories that you are talking about are linking him with that and with his advocacy for vaccines. And I, I guess that is what you, you are alluding to, that they, they connect in one, two, and three, and there may not necessarily be a connection between the three of them. I think the worst thing that happened was when the French uh, doctor or official said, let's test the vaccine in Africa. Well, who tell them to say that? Uh, I've never seen Africans so fired up, and rightly so. I mean, and, and the World Health Organization had to quickly, I think today, uh, say, you know, or yesterday, that no, the vaccine is not going to be tested in Africa. You know, Doctor Sam, you know what? You know what? You know what? My biggest takeaway. I listened to the to to what the doctors were saying, right? And everybody is jumping all over it and say that the doctors are saying that they should test the vaccines in Africa, but in the conversation, they were confirming that medication was at present being tested in Africa, and everybody seemed to ignore that part of it and jump on the sensational part of them saying that they would test the new vaccine in Africa. But, but if I listen to it, the doctor will agree with him. He said, yeah, 
we can test it in Africa the same way we would we, we are currently doing this and that and the other. And um you know, at the end of the day, the thing is that Africans and black people have to stop depending on other people to defend them and stop depending on giving their power away. That's how I should say. They need to 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 take a look at the African community, both in Africa and outside of Africa, and stop giving away their power to to other people uh, to control for them. Until we do that, we are going to be at the bottom of the pole. And if you have to test something that you're not sure, well, where are you going to test it? You're going to test it on your least valued um, assets, right? So, well, you know, I think overall Africa, you know, it's it's a it's not a straight line. It's not a it's a bumpy ride. But Africa is is coming into its own. I, I wish I could say the same for the Caribbean. We've we've, we've moved back in certain ways. That uh, as far as the original integration movement and even the uh, jurisprudence, the court of law um, in in Dominica for sure has been. Uh, abysmal and dismal, but um, Africa, you know, is economy is growing and there are really bright spots like in Rwanda and and so forth. So I think overall, you know, Africa is going to be in a, come out of this in a somewhat stronger position and Europe is going to be wounded. And um, as long as we can keep uh, despots and crazy people from running the show, uh, you know, and we can focus on our science and our development, then we we are likely to see a, a shift. You know, we talked about a shift before the election. We want to see a shift in the geopolitics of the, the global uh, economy and, and so forth. You know, and for example, with our herbalists and our um, bush uh, medicine in Dominica, a great opportunity to, to focus on what really works. You know, I've been doing some studies on, for example, uh, a plant, not me doing studies, but I'm looking at the history of the foxglove plant in, in Europe that had been used for hundreds of years. People knew it was good. Listen to the words. Good for the heart. Okay? Right. That was good for the heart. And that's where it stood until 1799 when a British physician by the name of William Withering, look up the name, Withering like a withered hand, uh-huh. William Withering uh, really worked on this plant and extracted the uh, active ingredient and um, called it digitalis and found out that this, um, you know, and, and was able to get into the side effects and the dosing and, and so forth. And that plant, he, he uh, found out that digitalis was great and effective for, for um, they called it dropsy at the time, but it was heart failure. And so now digitalis or digoxin is a, a medicine that the World Health Organization recognizes should be on every health system for treatment of, of cardiac disorders. Okay? So digitalis was a herb before. So in Dominic, and I know there have been uh, people before who have been doing some, who have done over the years some, some good work um, on, on those on those plants. But the average person still says, you know, take tabaxorbi is good for that, take this is good for the bowel, and so forth. And we have not done enough exactly. academic work 
on, on, on how much, what are the side effects, what are the interactions with other substances. And so we are looking, what we're actively looking at here in Dominica, and what I'm, 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 I'm leading some researchers in doing that, we're looking at the moringa and the turmeric, along with, with ginger, garlic, lemon and honey and we are putting together we believe that there has to be a, a certain balance and a combination to make a drink that is a super antioxidant that can boost the immune system and not just a matter of thinking that it's so but actually testing it so we can actually do the um, the study when people before they start with this drink, we're in the research stage, you will do a blood count and we look at the total lymphocyte count. It's the lymphocyte count that is reflective of the nutritional status and the lymphocytes are the ones that have the killer T cells that are important, just like that BCG. It stimulated lymphocytes and although um, it, it was effective in controlling uh, TB, tuberculosis, it gave people a lasting immunity that they seem to do better against this other virus. So we, it, it isn't Caribbean people, West Indian people who have said that, that Moringa is good or, or turmeric is good. This is well established. But we want to be able to get the dosage, the frequency and the, the, the side effects and the interactions. So when we do that complete blood count, which is simple CBC, the most common uh, blood test that is usually done, uh, before the, the study and we do it afterwards, we uh, can see signs that the lymphocyte count is actually increased. So everybody's saying, do this, do this, it boosts your immune system. Well, we want to demonstrate that. We want to show that. And, and, and we have to fast practice. At the end of it, come out with a product that, that, that yes. can be branded in Dominica and bring some revenue and some health benefit to the, to the people, right? Oh, absolutely. I remember, and, um, I, you I, know, this, Dr. let me hear you talking. I remember when I was a boy, I, uh, in the 70s, there was uh, an outbreak of dengue fever in Dominica, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember there was a bush that they call Guenaba Fey. It's a, it's a bush that it, it grows along the ground. It's not a creeper, it grows along the ground. And the seeds are underneath um, the branches. It lives on top and the seeds are underneath the branches. And I remember clearly... Okay. I remember clearly that that is what was used to stem, to, to beat back that outbreak of dengue fever. You know, and there's so many of those instances um, when, um, when there was an outbreak, because, you know, there used to be this seasonal, you know, stuff that used to come, where there used to be the hurricanes or what they come. But I, I clearly remember that they used to make tea with Grenada Fay, and that is what used to cure the fever, the dengue fever. You know, oh, Gwen Abafei. Yeah, the, the grain sits underneath. underneath. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I never heard about that. Yeah. Man, so thank you so much for telling me that. I, I never heard about that. Now, what I did here and what I did use, because uh-huh. I had dengue um, last year, was um, purple leaves. And I, I saw the study, um, and well, not me alone, but it was um, out of the University of of Edinburgh doing work in Malaysia mm-hmm. and they had, you know, researched that, uh, that the, the purple leaf uh, extract uh, was, was effective 
in, in dengue because dengue causes a sort of hemorrhagic fever and um, so forth. And, uh, you know, it affects the platelets and the purple leaves in, in some way, the way it works with the papain and all that stuff. Fascinating stuff. So, um, obviously, it's not the, it would be good to find out from Gwen Abafe what is the, the, the active, try to isolate that active ingredient. See whether it works like papain, uh, the purple leaf, or as they say, papaya. And, um, you know, it could be uh, a, a solution in part uh, on its own standing or with the papaya extract. You know, for dengue, it doesn't have to be a pill that's coming out from Roach or GSK or you know whichever big pharma companies. Or, the, or you could sell them since they have the manufacturing. You could sell them the rights and and get money from the royalties. There are a number of there are a number of scenarios. It just we just need that's what we're talking about. We need leadership at the top who can look at these things and and have an interest in developing them for the benefit of the country and not only show an interest in things that can result in them putting more stuff in their own bag, you know, so to speak. They're so busy fooling their bags that they don't have time to worry about development of the country or the benefit of the people. And, and, and so that is what, that is what you want. But, but Dr. Sam, we've been at this for almost 90 minutes. Um, so I, I think we we can leave some stuff to talk about next time because I definitely want yes, to invite you. Yes, but I, I'm, 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 I'm very happy that you you you, you made some um, wonderful points, and I am I'm very inspired and encouraged um, from from this interview. Certainly, no, I, and I'm, I, as usual, I always like to have you as my guest because you come with so much knowledge and. Um, you know, you and Angelo Allen, when you guys come on the show, you're not shy to say what's on your mind. And it's understood it's a discussion. You know what I mean? And, and I really mm -hmm. like that. And I thank you for being very candid and very open and, and willing to share your ideas and express your ideas with the audience. So, so thank you so much. You can, you know, um, I know you want, might want to give some real remarks to the folks who are listening. Because right now people need all the encouragement they can get and all you know the advice that they can get. So go go ahead and um, talk to the audience. Yeah, man, Anthony, I you know we there, man, we there, you know, and we ha we are uh, self isolating on the lockdown and whatever, and um, it's a it's it's easy to be to get anxious about uh, what's going on, the economic uncertainties, the, the medical threats, you know, and uh, we have all loved ones. And certainly for those of us, I won't call any names, who um, have relatives working on the front lines. My daughter-in-law in Ohio took care of a, a person who shortly thereafter um, tested positive and she was placed in quarantine at a hotel at Ohio State University. My brother in Long Island um, was having uh, symptoms, uh, fortunately, um, you know, Lawson is, is feeling somewhat better, but we don't know. The virus plays hide and seek sometimes, but we've been praying. We've been praying hope, hard, hope, you know, hope, for, hope, for, hope, for hope, loved ones. Well, you know, positive outcome. Really? 
yes, we're hearing about Dominicans. I don't know what the total tally is now. Some people say five uh, Dominicans worldwide who have known to have lost their lives to the virus. Um, none on island so far. We give thanks and praise for that. We hope that, you know, the measures that we are taking, despite the shortcomings, you know, will continue to flatten the curve and that will come out of this good. And um, so we want to do all those things that we know how to do, uh, to grow closer to our loved ones, to do more reading, and to stay healthier. Um, I, I had a patient in my office today, and, you know, I, he, you know, he, he's, uh, I, I looked at him and spoke to him seriously. In his eye, I took off my mask. I said, listen, I, I, you have to be, take better care of yourself, you know. You're not yet 50 years old and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're wrecked. You're wrecked, you know, you have all kinds of conditions, you know, and so forth. And, you know, he was, he understands where he's, he's you know, he says he's not been taking care of himself. He wants to do a general checkup uh, and so forth. But um, it's a good time. It's a good time if somebody is, is, is drinking too much to, to cut back. And we have been helping people with alcohol problems with a breakthrough medicine that is really making it uh, great. If you're a smoker, you're asking for trouble, it's respiratory problem, uh, this COVID virus. And if your lungs are weak, if your lungs are your weak link, then, oh, my God, you know. Yeah. So now is a good time to, to quit smoking. If, um, if, uh, you, you, you want smokes. And of course, we hear that, um, do domestic abuse is up 30%. Guys wow. cannot go out and do the usual things. Mm -hmm. We want to respect our, our women and our, our children. And, you know, as men, we have to learn to behave ourselves and try to be constructive and helpful and, and nurture, you know, take this time that we have to spend, uh, with, with our families and draw closer together and all those kinds of things. You, at the end of this session, you know, it's like mango season, it's like canip season. This too shall pass. But when it passes, we want to have a certificate of something, not a real paper, but you can say, you know what? This is what I did in, in, in during the lockdown, whether it was a backyard garden, whether you developed a new hobby or, or something. I'm a, I'm a cricket ex, um, addict. You know, West Indies is supposed to be playing England now. And I would, even, even when West Indies is not playing, I'd look at all kinds of stupid matches, whether it's Afghanistan playing against India, um, um, Ireland or against Zimbabwe or wherever. You know, there's no cricket, there's no basketball, there's no tennis, there's nothing going on. Uh, so we have to focus our minds on something. And like I'm telling you, we're doing this research with uh, Moringa turmeric garlic, lemon, honey, and ginger, and we're looking forward for great things. So that's, that's what I'm focused on, uh, to strengthen our people, to keep encouraging that God is doing something new, and, you know, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble, and while we are still, we just have to be still and know that God is in charge, Jesus has the wheel, and things are going to work out for us. We have to be in a position to take advantage of the situations that are going to arise from COVID-19. Dr. Sam, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you, where your practice is, what, your, what the number is, if you have a, a Facebook page or whatever. Um, tell the listeners of your contact information. 
Well, the, first of all, I want to promote the uh, Dominica virus defense on Facebook. Just look that up. And if you're not a member on the Dominica, you can see all the information, but we want everybody con to contribute. We focus on, you know, proactive strategies and tips like we have a young lady from Collyho making masks. We want everybody to wear masks. I think it is ridiculous that we have not, um, that different scientists are arguing about the benefits of masks. Even the homemade masks uh, are very good in limiting the spread of the disease. And there's a great uh, uh, video from Czechoslovakia where, you know, they, they've shown that the countries that have been using masks have a lower uh, in, uh, infection rates of the contagion. And so we're going to use masks. And I think in Dominica, I've seen over the past two weeks, the, map, the mask use has gone up from 30% to 50%. And right now it stands, I think, you know, anecdotally, it stands at about 70%, 80%. Most people you in town have masks um, of all kinds, uh, by the way. Uh, my number, 265-0886-767-265-0886. I have a number of people calling me and asking me to see their loved ones. I had a lady come all the way from Marigot uh, today because her daughter in New Jersey said, no, come and we want Dr. Christian to check you. Um, a lot of doctors have closed their, their businesses. A lot of my loved ones are telling me I should do the same. But I'm a front lines kind of guy. I'm there to serve the people. I'm taking all the precautions. People, uh, if they have respiratory symptoms, we direct them to the hotline uh, to go to the hospital, which is dedicated to that. But people have regular medical problems and they need to be seen. We have the convenience of having the lab right there at uh, Halsbro Quality Labs, Jan Laville, um, very dedicated lady who does great work and um, La Falaise, of course, but people have reduced hours, but you can get your medical needs taken care of, specifically as it pertains to all the, the um, concerns about this. But Dominica virus uh, defense uh, you will, you can post, uh, your, when, once you join as a member, you can post your ideas. You will see the latest news globally. You will see all official government, uh, pronouncements and announcements. Uh, and, you know, the personal, uh, person to person encouragement. We, we try to stay positive. There's a stuff there that is inspirational, that is motivational, so that people don't get negative and panicky. And one of the things that really undermines the immune system is lack of sleep and the stress and anxiety. So if we're in the lockdown, there's no reason not to have enough sleep. You know, don't fritter your time away on on just, you know, entertainment that is not going to, to build you up and, and be positive. But at the same time, you certainly want to deepen your faith, deepen your connection with the family, share the love, but come out with something positive. Uh, come out with a renewed sense of commitment that we can do this. We have been wandering in the wilderness for too long in Dominica and I believe that this is the opportunity that we need to move the country forward, to move our families forward and to do the best that we can when things break loose again and the economy starts moving. All right, so thank you so much Dr. Sam. As I said before, I, I always appreciate you coming on the show 
And I, 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 I hope you can, well, I know you're going to come back because I'm going to invite you back as we move along and we make progress or we develop this, this whole COVID-19 situation um, continues to unfold. So I, I want you to stay safe, you and your family. I hope your, your brother um, feels better and I, I, I hope for a very positive outcome that, that it turns out to just be a regular bug or something. Um, but for everybody who is listening, but yes, and by, for everybody who is listening, uh, I want, I, I hope that you and your folks are safe as well, listeners. Um, hit the guidelines, wear the mask when you go out in public, sanitize your hand, wash your hands, uh, for 20 seconds at least, and stay away from, uh, Older folks stay away from younger folks, whether they show symptoms or not, because it is it is reported that there are quite a few uh, people who are asymptomatic. They show no signs of yes. symptoms, but they can they can spread the, the the virus. And we'll be back again next week, Wednesday. Doctor Sam, good uh, Godspeed to you and to your fellow um, people on the front line in Dominica. We appreciate. All that you do, because you do so much more than be a doctor. You are an advocate for the people, and I thank you on their behalf. We try. It's been one year since I've been back, and it's a special time of praise. And um, one year ago, yesterday, I came back in Dominica. Wow. It's a, I thank God for the opportunity to serve my people. Yeah. You, you took that in stride, and, 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 and we admire your courage. And your resilience. Um, so, so, so keep just keep strong, and I wish you all the best with the research that you're doing. Um, you know, we have we have an open mic here. Um, you're always welcome um, to to talk about that. To you, do so much. You as well, and, and may God guide and protect your lovely wife and all the good work is doing. All right, thank you, Doctor Sam. Okay, good night.